Hello, and welcome back to the Redundant Rufus podcast. I'm your host, Rufus. I have to start off this episode by saying thank you to those who have listened to my vast collection of podcasts, all two of them. Uh, I'm very grateful for those who have downloaded my podcasts and those that have decided to follow my podcast. Um, this is starting off as, as a hobby of mine, just things I'd like to talk about. And as I've said in my previous episodes, I hope to you know, you know eventually kind of have a, a theme based off of what I feel like I should be talking about more about going forward, coupled with your feedback, which is very important to me. Um, but for this podcast, this episode, I'm going to talk about my first job, my first employment, and that was being a paper boy. Paper boys, do they still exist? I know paper delivery still occurs, but do paper boys still exist? Were there paper girls? I'm sure at some point, but generally speaking, it was you know young boys, young preteens or adolescents who took it upon themselves to make some extra money, you know, learn some responsibility, saving some some of their money, you know, to buy some cool things. I know I certainly did that. But when I was 11 years old, I had my first job as a paperboy. Now, what made me choose being a paperboy? What what was the allure? Why was I attracted to this? Well, I wasn't. <laughs> it was mainly, you know, I would get a job, which means I get paid money. And I had no source of revenue, and there were things that I wanted to buy. And the only way to obtain those things would be by getting a job. Now, it wasn't expected of us as, you know, my siblings and I to, to ha be employed when we were in elementary school. You know, this was just something I felt was, well, I want some things, and this is a way for me to get them. Now, my mother had been working for a number of years for a local uh, newspaper distribution and she let me know that there was this opportunity to deliver papers in the surrounding neighborhoods so it will be you know safe for me to do if i was by myself and you know the workload wasn't taxing i said you know that that would be pretty cool you know and i <clears throat> the, the most i had heard about paper boys was the old game boy game paper boy <laughs> but uh but yeah, I remember going to this newspaper place where my mom worked, and they gave me this giant tote bag that was white, and the strap was this like fluorescent orange, so no one could miss me, and the, and the name of the newspaper was printed on there in fluorescent orange colors, so no one could miss me. So it was a good thing, kind of like wearing a, like a, like a safety vest construction workers wear, like with the colors. It was in the bag. So I got this job. It was the summer. I, the, when was it? I started the summer before sixth grade. And I had this job for almost four years. And it was only once a week. So many paper routes, you know, it's daily. Um, other paper boys, some, you know, it's a daily thing that they do. But this one, it was about 30 to 35 papers that needed to be delivered every Thursday. So I took it upon myself to be a paperboy. But why would this be an idea for a podcast talking about my first employment as a paperboy? Well, as I started off with this podcast, it's it's a profession that you don't hear about anymore. I don't know in, the, in today's world, the 90s were different, but in today's world, I don't know if it's safe for young kids to be 
delivering newspapers and and aside from you know the digital digital era that we live in you know maybe it's just not a needed um trade if you will but i remember <clears throat> it was the surrounding streets i had to deliver to these two different newspapers about 30 to 35 customers and when it rained my mother was always kind enough to take me and sometimes she, she i mean more times than not she would um which was always very nice because I could just throw it from the car window. But there were, as I got older and more used to the, you know, the regimen, I would take trips, you know, pack up my bag, you know, with X amount of papers and go around, deliver them, come back and get the rest. And sometimes, you know, if it was warm enough, I would get on my bike and take, I think it was like three or four trips because these papers were always very thick. And the thing about paper routes, as my mother uh, would be able to attest, is you get a lot of paper cuts. Lots of paper cuts. And I learned that the best way to determine if you have paper cuts, because you just get used to that, that occurrence, the best way to find them is putting on hand sanitizer. And I still do that to this day. But let's move forward into this wide, wide, exciting world of paper delivery. So the only way that I got paid... Well, I got paid two ways. One was through this company, and the second was the principal source of income, which was through the subscribers. So I had a set amount of individuals who opted to pay me instead of the organization uh, for their newspapers. And it varied each month, but there were, I, I forget how many there were, but it was something I did monthly, and that was about 95% of my income. Now, you may be thinking, 95% of my income came from collections. Well, how much did this organization, <laughs> how much did they pay you? Well, I'll get to that later. But uh, needless to say, collecting from individuals was certainly a leap for me. Being a, an introvert times two, having to walk up by myself to a stranger's home and knocking on their door and demanding that they pay me, well, not demand, but you know, you know what I'm getting at. Asking for them to pay me, that was very, a lot of anxiety. I'll just put it, I'll just leave it with that. And they were always very kind, but there were two, uh, two homes that never answered the door. And if I were to adjust for inflation, what they owe me, I could buy an 80-inch smart TV, give or take. Um, and one of the instances where I decided to go and collect from one of these houses who would never answer their door, someone did answer. And they looked like they were having a party inside. And the person who answered it said that they were the realtor. They weren't the homeowners. Now, I thought that was a load of bunk, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, <clears throat> there were some certain lessons, and I, and I, and I started with, you know, saying that this gave me experience to get out of my comfort zone. And it did. Um, but learning responsibility, accountability. And I say accountability because <clears throat> there were times where I forgot to double wrap a newspaper if it was raining. Or I threw it from the open end, which is a no-no. Because then the papers go flying like, well, rain in the rain. And that ruins the newspaper. And I never got extras. So that person was without a paper that week, and I'd always get this, you know, word processor printout stating that 
X customer didn't receive their paper the week before. And, you know, that was that. So I started to learn accountability, you know, making mistakes. Well, there's repercussions. The repercussion was the customer didn't get what they paid for, what they asked for. Um, <clears throat> and also, you know, I learned some door-to-door uh, interactions, you know, cold calls, I guess you could say if you're in sales, just talking to someone, you know, if, if I was doing collections or I happened to come across the individual, the recipient, the customer, when I was going to give them the paper, they, you know, would be out there and I'd be like, well, I guess I have to talk. <laughs> out of everyone in my family, I'm the least chatty. So me being, you know, Mr. Chatty Kathy, if you will, I was uh, a bit, well, a bit, you know, filled with anxiety and hesitation. But I learned how to effectively talk to people, help them understand, you know, what it was that I did and why I was doing it and their expectations of me being this delivery boy. Um, but I mentioned earlier about pay. So there were two two things, two major things that I got out of this job. The first was this. The organization that I work for, like I said, my pay came 95% through collection. So how much did that mean <laughs> I would get from the organization? Well, I'll tell you. It ranged between, get ready, 35 to 50 cents every two weeks. That was my paycheck. Someone had the, the pleasure of typing that out, printing it, stamping it, and mailing it, knowing that that's how much money was in the envelope. 35 to 50 cents. I don't know why it, 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 there was a, a range like that, but regardless. Going to the bank was such an embarrassing experience as a child. As a paper boy, going to the bank with a 36-cent check or a 48-cent check handing it to the cashier and seeing them kind of, no, well, they would chuckle. They'd smile and they'd say, whoo, whoa, big spender, you know? Don't spend this all one place. Like, whoa, this is a heavy check. And I'm just like, yes, I've heard it all. You don't need to keep belaboring the point that I get paid crap right now. And for a long time, I kept telling my mother, I said, mom, I want to throw this out. I want to burn it. This check is an insult. I don't care if I get if I'm getting paid mostly through collections. I deserve getting paid more for the labors that I'm performing. And my mother gave me a good lesson. So to take a step back to make you understand where she's going to be coming from. My parents worked their butts off as long as I can remember. Um, they were in much harder times before I was born. So all I know about are the stories that my siblings would tell me. This money was never an easy thing to come by. My father worked a full-time job. He also was an adjunct professor at multiple universities and colleges in the area. My mother worked a, a newspaper job delivering to businesses in the local counties and she would do that in during ungodly hours or during much of the day and when I remember I was in kindergarten 
and even before, I recall where, you know, she couldn't afford a babysitter, so she would take me on her roots, and sometimes she'd let me um, throw the newspaper, you know, out the window. It was always very fun, and there was special moments. I cherished those moments I had with my mother during those times, and I was just a little tyke. We'd visit this pond where you had all like this big family of ducks and there was this one duck we would call tumor because it had this huge growth at the top of its head um but uh you know once a week she'd have to go fill up the tank and so we go to the gas station and she'd buy me butterscotch crimpet and they're still my favorite tasty cake to this day Every time I take a bite into one, I think about those moments with my mother. The same goes, occasionally she'd stop at Burger King and she'd get me a hamburger. Just a small hamburger. And every time I have that small hamburger at Burger King, I think of my mother. And I think of, I couldn't fathom the burdens that she had, that my father had in providing for the five of us. It's, it's Difficult to think about now, especially since she passed away. Just trying to wrap your head around that amount of love and dedication and enduring to the end that she and my father exhibit in providing for our family. So I'm saying these things because when I would get these pathetic checks of 36, 36 cents, 42 cents, 50 cents, whatever they were, she would tell me, do not throw that out. You earn that. You may not have liked what you received. You may think that it's a pathetic amount. You may feel insulted, but you still earn that. You're not always going to have a job that's going to pay what you want. Sometimes you just have to have a job to provide what you can. And I I have remembered that. I've remembered to be grateful for every penny that I earn. I may not always be in you know, employed somewhere where... You know, you know, I'm getting everything I deserve, everything that I deserve to make. Um, sometimes we need to wait and be patient before those blessings come. And that was one of the big lessons from my paper out. Now, to change the tone for my second biggest takeaway from being a paper boy was how much I grew to strongly dislike cul-de-sacs. I can't stand cul-de-sacs. I'm sure some of you live in cul-de-sacs. More power to you. I feel like it's it may be difficult for you to live in a cul-de-sac because it's at the end of the street. And what activity occurs at the end of your street? Outside of, you know, maybe a block party. You know, uh, when I would, there were two cul-de-sacs that I delivered to. One was very dark, no activity. I would just throw my paper and and cycle away the other was up a hill you turn right and there was the cul-de-sac and when i would get into the cul-de-sac here's what i felt all around me i felt well i saw everyone stop everybody stop and stare at me i felt like the cars parked in the driveways turned and looked at me i felt like the trees all around turned and bent like they were Ents from Lord of the Rings, staring at me. I felt like dogs stopped barking, bees or uh, birds stopped tweeting, bees stopped buzzing. 
just to see who this stranger was coming up the cul-de-sac on a bicycle in a glorified fluorescent tote bag filled with newspapers. And the cream of the crop, or the cherry on top, I guess you should say, better analogy, um, was that I had to make a collection in one of those houses. And it was always fun when, I swear there were like 80 people that, that were in that family, and they were almost always in the front yard. And so this 12, 13-year-old kid, you know, walking up with his glorified tote bag, going up the driveway, just kind of grinning like, hello, afternoon, and uh, <clears throat> asking for, you know, the parent. And that, let, let me get, I'll say this. They were very kind. Okay, I don't have animosity towards anyone who lives in a cul-de-sac. I just don't like cul-de-sacs. I guess you can say if there was a phobia, I would have it. Okay? I would never want to live in a cul-de-sac. I think my world would implode. My universe would uh, would implode. But anyway, that was my other takeaway from being a pa- from being a paperboy. But to to sum up, having a first job was a big thing for me. I learned financial responsibility. I learned about having authority, administering a good or delivering it, being accountable for my actions, for not living up to to uh, to the the standards of the organization, for you know just just being able to be more talkative to people, be willing to open up. Because doing that led into my next job which I will save for my next podcast. So with that being said, thank you for listening. I hope that you, for those that have lasted this long, thank you. I'm not the most eloquent of speakers. Hopefully continuously speaking in these podcasts will improve that. Uh, But, you know, I thank you again. Please check out my podcast, Redundant Rufus, on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Music. Um, You can look me up in the podcast index if you don't want to sign up for anything. And until the next time, take care.